0: Hello everyone just I want to just tell you no need to worry but our highly competent government is launching missiles at asteroids (laughs) luckily they're completely honest and transparent and there's nothing to be worried about whatsoever now I know we're talking about important things like how many times your four-year-old is being forced to attend a drag show this week but have you stopped to really think about this at all isn't it kind of weird like why are we firing missiles at asteroids there's really only three possible reasons number one an asteroid might come in our direction someday in the future and it's best to be prepared just in case all right number two we were looking at our fancy telescopes and we saw something like way 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 off in the future in the distance way out there and we thought you know that thing might be coming at us so let's figure out if we can knock asteroids off course by firing a missile at a random one. Or number three, that random asteroid, the one we just fired a missile at, is the asteroid they think might hit us. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that that asteroid is going to hit us. But what I am saying is if it was going to hit us, this is exactly how they'd sell it to us. Oh, we're just testing out options in case we ever have a situation like this. No need to look any closer at your telescope. Don't worry about it at all. You know how this ends. It ends with Elon Musk sitting by himself on the moon with a Tesla while our entire planet is destroyed from some random giant asteroid. This! random giant asteroid. But look at the bright side. With the potential of six more years of Joe Biden, does being destroyed by an asteroid really sound all that bad?
1: Stu does America.
0: BlazeTV.com slash Stu. The promo code is Stu to save 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. If you're watching on YouTube, like this video right now. Just do it. It will anger somebody you don't like. Blaze TV's Jeff Fisher is going to be here, and he's going to give us, I guess, a weather forecast as Hurricane Ian approaches Florida, and he's going to predict how quickly the media will use it to bash Governor Ron DeSantis. But we start by doing fascism. Stu does fascism. You know, many of the opponents of this particular program would say, you're doing fascism every day, you conservative. And that's not me. And that's kind of the thing I want to get into today. Uh, Conservatism and fascism have... Very little, if anything, to do with each other. The far right in America has nothing to do with fascism, yet it is constantly used to bash conservatives and try to make conservatives look like they're the Nazis from back in the day. And it's important to understand how the media does this. So I want to go through this a little bit today and tell you the truth about fascism and what it actually means where it actually came from and what the people who believed in it, who actually supported it, what did they do to promote it? Who were those people? You're going to be surprised to hear it's a lot of the people today that are worried about fascism on the far right here in America. Uh, This is all sort of promoted by the moment when uh, Georgia uh, Maloney won the race for prime minister in Italy, and she's being presented as if she is the worst person in the world. I mean, I I don't know her. You know, I only know what I read in the in the, uh, in, the in the media coverage about her. But she seems like Satan, apparently. I, now when I actually look into her record, she doesn't seem like Satan. But that's certainly how the media is projecting her. Uh, CNN described her as Italy's most far right prime minister since Mussolini. See if you can detect the theme here. The New York Times described her as the country's first far-right leader since Mussolini. Variety described her as the most far-right prime minister since Benito Mussolini. The LA Times said she'll be Italy's first far-right leader since Mussolini. The Daily Beast described her as the first far-right leader since Mussolini. The Washington Post warned us that she will set us up for the first far-right government since Mussolini. The Atlantic warned of the return of fascism in Italy. NBC News compared her to Patriot, the Patriot Front and said that her party, the Brothers of Italy, can trace its roots back to a fascist party founded by supporters of dictator Benito Mussolini. The Guardian didn't say Mussolini. They just said they called it a party with a neo-fascist origins. Now, look, this is something that we've talked about a lot on this network, going back to its founding and before. Glenn Beck in particular has made this point many, many times. I'm not gonna walk you through the entire analogy, but go back and watch Glenn talking about railroad tracks and what they mean uh, when it applies to ideology, particularly in Europe. The left and the right in Europe are not the same as the left and the right in America. The left and the right in Europe ranges from communism to fascism. The left and the right in the United States is more like authoritarianism to anarchy or libertarianism. Uh, It's a totally different idea, totally different uh, left and right. It's completely different. Yeah, we're different. We're a different country. I don't know if anyone's noticed. We kick everyone's ass all the time. We're much better than everybody else. And I will say one of the ways we are better than everyone else, one of the central ways is exactly what we're talking about here. It's why the far right doesn't apply, why fascism doesn't apply to the right here in the United States. It doesn't make any sense in our context. And you know what? I think a lot of people in the media know that. I think they're pretty aware of the truth of the situation, but they don't want you to know the difference. They want to be able to say the far right. And you think of someone like, I don't know, Ted Cruz or Donald Trump uh, or uh, Rand Paul. And instead, when they're really, you know, uh, trying to apply those titles to Europe, where at least they kind of make sense. Now, I don't know that this makes any sense to Georgia Maloney. I mean, you know, there are some things from very early on, like her teenage years, that might make you worry. uh, But in the long, long in the past, it doesn't seem like she's going to turn into Mussolini. But, you know, to be honest with you, I'm not not sitting there studying all of her positions. She seems like she is a pushback against what the left is trying to do there. And anything that pushes back against what the left is trying to do is auto-fascism, right? It's automatically Nazi if you don't agree with everything the left wants. And that seems to be what's going on with Maloney. I guess we'll find out here as we go forward. Um, I've talked to you about this book before. It's a little book that was in my library and I dug it out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, The political uh, second edition, Political Ideologies, their Origins and Impact. I just want to go through a couple of these things we talked about a few weeks ago because it points to a real separation between the far right that they're talking about when it comes to fascism and what we talk about when we're talking about the right wing here in the United States. What, what wing does this sound like exactly? Mussolini created a totalitarian state. Indeed, it was he who coined the word. Not content with political power alone, he believed that the government and ultimately the government's leader should completely control every aspect of human existence. Consequently, like Stalin, Hitler, and Mao, he tried to build up the state's power, extending it into the most private aspects of the citizens' lives. A totalitarian government? I mean, that's not Rand Paul. Rand Paul. Right. Like this is totally the opposite of what the right in America stands for. Uh, this is also more about fascism. The state controlled and regulated almost every conceivable social, economic and political activity of its citizens through this mechanism. Almost every aspect of daily existence was controlled. Jobs, wages. Who's order? Who's asking about minimum wages in this country? Fringe benefits. Who's micromanaging the health care system in this country? Housing. Retail goods, recreation, entertainment and education. I mean, geez, education. We're all part of this elaborate organization. That was the picture of fascism. It was a top down system that controlled every single aspect of society. And there was also these really important things that Mussolini did to try to get people to go down these roads. They had to shake their foundations because I think everybody kind of realizes fundamentally it's a bad idea to put one person in control of a government, of a country, of everybody else's life. We all understand that's a terrible idea, just inherently. You know, there's a reason, especially in the United States, that we went away from a monarchy You know, we didn't want that system anymore. Even places that still have kings and queens like the UK, you know, they don't even treat it as a real monarchy anymore. Nobody wants that. Who wants that? Who wants to be controlled by one person? And one of the things you have to do to shake people uh, out of their normal instinct for freedom is to make it seem like nothing is real. Nothing is concrete. Everything is fluid. Everything is liquid. It's about shaking the core. I want to play a clip. This is from 2019. This is Georgia Maloney, and she is speaking to a conference. This speech has kind of made the rounds as sort of a fundamental boil down of what she's fighting against in Europe. I want to give you this and then give you the background as to how close this is to fascism. And watch this clip. And then you tell me, is this fascist or is it not? Watch. This is about what we are doing here today. I'm, of course, translating. Why is the family an enemy? Why is the family so frightening? There's a single answer to all these questions.
2: Because it defines us. Because it
0: defines our identity. Because everything that defines us is now an enemy.
2: For those who would like us to no longer
0: have an identity,
2: and to simply be perfect consumer slaves... And so they attack national
0: identity, they attack religious identity, they attack gender identity, they attack family identity.
2: I can't define myself as
0: Italian, Christian, woman, mother, no.
2: I must be citizen X, gender X, X, parent 1, parent 2.
0: I must be a number. Because when I'm only a number, when I no longer have an identity or roots, then I will be the perfect slave at the mercy of financial speculators. The perfect Perfect.
2: consumer. That is the reason why. That is the reason why
0: we inspire so much fear. That is why this event inspires so much fear.
2: Because we do not want to be numbers. We will defend the value
0: of a human being.
2: Every single human being, because each of us has a unique genetic code that is unrepeatable. And like it
0: or not, that is sacred. We will defend it. We will defend God, country, and family.
2: Those things that
0: disgust people so much, we will do it to defend our freedom. Because we will never be slaves and simple consumers at the mercy of financial speculators.
2: That is our mission. That is why I came here today.
0: Chesterton wrote more than a century ago. Let me see if I can find it. Like I'm Corinne Jean-Pierre.
2: Fires will be kindled to testify
0: that two and two make four. Swords will be drawn to prove that leaves are green in the summer. The time has arrived. We are ready. Thank you. Mic drop. Lots of white people clap. Fascism. That's how that works. That's what you're supposed to believe is fascism. And I bring all. I played the entire clip because I wanted you to see. It all in context. She's talking about family. She's talking about gender. She's talking about, hey, we're gonna, be, we're gonna say that I'm a woman and, and I'm, I'm a, you know, you're a man, you're a woman. We're gonna be able to say that uh, people, uh, families are okay. Basic truths of humanity. We're gonna, we're gonna hold true to those things. Here's what Mussolini did to shake those foundations. Mussolini begged his audiences to have faith in the Italian myths. We have created our myth. The myth is a faith. It is passion. It is not necessary that it be a reality. It is reality by the fact that it is a goal, a hope, a faith. Though it could not be scientifically or objectively proved, it was true simply because it existed and it served a purpose. Truth is a subjective quality, available only to a few gifted people whose will or spirit or personality is greater than that of the masses. Does that sound like modern elitism on the left or what? Those with superior wills perceive a higher truth than others. They instinctively realize the right, and those who are not so gifted should listen to them, having faith in their leaders' intuitions and following their orders. So that doesn't sound like the last couple of years. I don't know what does. Fascism rejects objective science and reason. Objective truth is either a hoax or unimportant because the really important truths defy rational understanding. Those who believe in reason, therefore, are deluding themselves and grasping at a false reality. If That doesn't sound like the type of stuff that Maloney was pushing back against. The fact that we can't say a woman is a woman, as a man is a man. We can't say those things. That's because those truths need to be over over uh, need to be undercut. And that provides the the moral latitude to embrace a whole bunch of other stuff in our society. There's a great uh, thread from uh, Tom Elliott on Twitter. I think I retweeted it. You can check it out, at Does America. It goes through a bunch of the stuff. Uh, A lot of it, of course, um, many of the initial research done for that from Jonah Goldberg's great book, Liberal Fascism. Uh, There's tons and tons of research out here. This is not a surprise at this point. The media knows it. They've been called out on this for a very long time. They just choose to continue to try to make you believe that the far right is equal to you, a blaze listener. A fascist is you, someone who listens to a talk show. Some conservative who wants lower taxes and l- less regulation. Maybe a little bit, maybe not embracing, giving trillions of dollars uh, in student loan relief without even asking Congress. That's you. You're That's not... Them doing something fascist, them taking a trillion dollars and spending it without asking Congress, that's not them being fascist. That's your opposition to it is fascist. That's what they want you to believe. But I mean, look back at what the fascists actually believed. It was a totalitarian state. They want to control of everything. I want to give you this. This is from the Virginia Holocaust Museum. Tolerance through education. So let's see, how can we use our education today? These are the 25 points of the Nazi party. Let me give you a few of them. And you tell me, which party does this sound like? Does this sound like right-wing fascism to you? We demand the nationalization of all previous associated industries. Hmm, that doesn't sound like something conservatives want in this country at all. They want the opposite of that. And the left wants that to be true. How about this? We demand a division of profits of all heavy industries. They want to take a cut of everything that comes in. They want a bigger chunk of essentially tax revenue. Who does that sound like? Does it sound like the, 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 the organization, the party that just cut taxes for corporations or the opposite? Which one is it? We demand an expansion on a large scale of old age welfare, a welfare expansion, Social Security, Medicare, big government programs, which side wants to expand those? Seems like the left usually does. We demand the immediate communalization of the great warehouses. Huh. All these all, food services, all these things move to a nationalization. Everyone needs to share. I mean, there's not a lot of conservatives that they use the word commune as a root for anything these days. That's not really the way we go. The state is to be responsible for a fundamental reconstruction of our whole national education program. If you know anything about conservatives, they don't even want a national education program. They, don't, they want it to be controlled at the lowest level. As much as you know. many people that I know actually homeschool their kids, they want it at such a small level, they want it at the family level, let alone the town level or the state level, certainly not the federal level. And they wanted an entire reimagining of that for the new truths, the truths you're supposed to understand. Does that sound like conservatism to you? Or does it sound like people who are telling you that we have to have all sorts of strange gender ideology? And if you break the rules, you get in trouble, you get fined, you get thrown out of society. Which one does that sound like? The comprehension of the concept of the state must be striven for by the school as early as the beginning of understanding. I mean, centralized state power being taught to young kids. Does that sound like something conservatives want to do? A lasting recovery of our nation can only succeed from within on the framework, the good of the community before the good of the individual. Does that sound like conservatism? Does that sound like libertarianism? Or does it sound like leftism? Does it sound like AOC? AOC could give you that line in a speech today and it wouldn't bat. No one would bat an eye at it. The good of the community before the good of the individual. That's that's the Democratic friggin platform. Of course, it's not true, but it's what they preach all the time for the execution of all of this. We demand the formation of a strong, central Power, unlimited authority of the central parliament over the whole Reich and its organizations in general. Unlimited centralized power is the opposite of what every conservative fights for. Conservatives are fighting for limited government. That's what they want. Ask Rand Paul if he wants a massive centralized government, he'd laugh in your face. Look, the truth is, everybody wants to rule the world. Those Noted philosophers, tears for fears had it right. Everybody believes that if only they could pull every lever of power, everything would be fine. But in reality, we all suck. This was the brilliance of the founders. They realized that they sucked. They recognized their own fallibility. And they realized that even if they were among the better options to run a country, people would eventually choose a bunch of bumbling idiots to take their jobs. That is why the country was founded with an eye to limited government. Fascism is only far right to the extent that Europe sucks more than we do. It is far right compared to, I guess, communism or socialism. I mean, maybe. I mean, it's kind of the same thing when it comes to socialism. But all of these philosophies are totalitarian governments, a word that Mussolini literally coined. It's not far right in the American sense because the right here is trying to eliminate government from your lives as much as possible, not make it your god. It's almost a literal guarantee that the media is blowing out of proportion the supposed evils of Georgia Maloney. But this is why we broke up with England and didn't embrace Europe, remember? Because we realized if you mess with kings and queens, eventually you get a bad one. And if all of their power is centralized, you won't like what they do with it. We are creeping more and more toward a country, a style of country, despite all of our success being a direct result of avoiding that type of government all of these years. We can see what an incompetent fool like Joe Biden is doing with a sliver of the power of some of these European countries. If we keep trying to treat the president as a king, we'll eventually get the sharp side of the crown. Well, when it comes to liberals in Congress, there is no way they're going to accept limits on themselves. We're talking about limited government here this hour, and uh, the left does not enjoy that at all. And now they're fighting truth and nail to impose term limits on Supreme Court justices. Term limits for thee, but not for me. Does it sound completely hypocritical? Of course it does, it's the left. But since when has that ever been a problem for them? They do whatever it takes to seize more power, even if it means purging the Supreme Court of its most experienced justices. Uh, To no one's surprise, their new court purging scheme, they're moved, they're, I don't know if they've moved on, but they're now trying another one. The court packing thing didn't work all that well. Now they're trying, well, what if we put term limits on Supreme Court justices? And, uh, you know, it just, it'll affect uh, who's the oldest. Uh, Oh, Clarence Thomas. Ah, Samuel Alito. We can just get them out. That's no big deal. You guys are on board with that, right? We're not going to fall for this idiocy, but some people will. Democrats are working hard to pass the court purging with term limits. Uh, We need to work even harder to stop it. Or the Supreme Court, as we know it, will never be the same. If you care about the integrity of the Supreme Court and don't want to see it taken over by political hacks, visit SupremeCoup.com. This is First Liberty Institute. They're a great organization. They've helped win a bunch of these big religious liberty cases. This is a great organization. SupremeCoup.com is their website. Get involved at SupremeCoup.com. Maybe the biggest story in America right now is what might soon be happening to the state of Florida with Hurricane Ian. I want to bring in Jeff Fisher. He is, of course, the host on the blaze of Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher uh, and also uh, covered about one zillion hurricanes down in Tampa, Florida, which is where this thing might uh, hit. Jeffy, welcome to the program. Hello, Stu. How are you? (laughs) Great to see you. Good to see see you. you. Good
1: to see (laughs) you, too. You know, I was thinking about this today. Uh, The time I spent in Florida, I think I covered, well, I think it was just under... I think you said a zillion just
0: under a zillion
1: just under storms. one zillion storms. Yeah, just under a zillion storm so that makes me an expert yeah
0: yeah um, we, going back a long way of course uh really long. we went uh, uh glenn and i uh, we started working at wfla in tampa the mothership, mothership. and the uh you know one of the big parts of their coverage every day was uh whenever there was a storm coming near it was a was a storm watch type of situation jeffy was at yeah. the center of that of course uh did all sorts Operation of stuff down Operation Stormwatch. There. Yeah, Operation Stormwatch. That's right. Um, so first of all, can we kind of yeah, – I know you've been following the storm and what Have, people yeah, – what are predicting for uh, for what's coming. Can you give us an update as to where we stand right now? The latest
1: advisory is uh, it's moved a little bit south and east. So uh, Tampa is kind of out of the crosshairs of the cone of death or the cone <laughs> of uncertainty. Yeah. Uh, You know, which is still, you know, not great for Florida, but for Tampa Bay, it uh, is a, you know, is a little good news for them anyway, uh, it's in the Gulf of Mexico now, and it's looking to make landfall Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. And it's still right now a category three, which is still a powerful storm, but it, you know, very well could strengthen prior to uh, hitting the coast of Florida. It's probably, it's looking like now, unless it, you know, varies in the next advisory that it's going to make landfall somewhere between Tampa and Fort Myers or Sarasota and Fort Myers along the West coast of the East coast of North America. And, uh, Florida is, uh, you know, they're preparing, they're, they're, they're doing what they always do. And, and, uh, you know, people are evacuating. There's been plenty of counties that have said they will have mandatory evacuations, but the sheriffs has said, we're not going to make you leave. Uh, You know, if you don't want to leave, we're not going to force you out, but we're not coming in to save you when uh, when times are tough. So, you know, I would say that if you have the opportunity to get out, probably now is a good time.
0: I feel like that's the right attitude to have too. like, you know, look, I'm not going to force you to get out, but I got news for you. Don't be calling us and making us risk our lives to go back in there if you decide to stay
1: and that's the big deal right we've talked to a lot of people that have lived through the storms and that uh you know really did think they were going to die because of the water rising you know everybody thinks they're safe because the winds are gone and then the water starts rising and it doesn't stop and you know the one lady i remember talking to said that she was on top of her washer uh and the water was up to her chest and she thought that was it it was you know it was over i should have i should have evacuated i should have gone now fortunately for her that's where it stopped, mm. but it certainly was, uh, you know, a raising hair-raising moment for her, uh, no question. Uh, it looks like this storm is going to, you know, I, everyone was in the crosshairs. I know Jim Cantor, Mr. Weather Channel, was on Clearwater Beach. I don't know if they're moving him because, uh, you know, he that doesn't look like that's going to be direct landfall. Because, you know, I mean, the joke is if Jim Cantor uh, comes to your neighborhood too late. So maybe it wobbles. Uh, maybe it wobbles back to Clearwater Beach, but it doesn't look that doesn't look that way. Same thing happened in uh, 2004. That was one of the first ones. Charlie uh, had uh, Tampa in its crosshairs. We, were, we evacuated. People were evacuating. We evacuated the radio station. We went to our you know Operation Stormwatch bunker, all of it. And then uh, at the last moment, Charlie swerved right and cut below tampa bay and so you know after that storm we talked to uh, you know an expert that said that he didn't believe that tampa bay would get hit direct anymore he thought that the shelf in the gulf was such that the storm would either cut across underneath or go past mm. and that certainly has held true i mean i I don't know that that's actually true, but it certainly has held true.
0: Yeah, because you think of Florida, you know, I I don't know, if you don't live in Florida, you think it's getting pummeled by hurricanes all the time. And, you know, that's somewhat, it can be true. You know, it's one of those areas that does. But the west coast of Florida isn't really, you wouldn't think, it doesn't really get hit all that often, specifically with a direct uh, giant hurricane. Did that happen at all when you were were in Tampa? Um, I think one of them did. I think, uh, I feel like... I
1: feel like Wilma did. That was like the end of 05. I mean, it, in 2004 and 2005, it was relentless. Yeah. yeah, it was. It felt like there was a storm. I mean, in that year, I think there were there were five or six, right? Two, four, six, eight. Eight storms. Jeez. Uh, you know, and well, no, there was six storms, eight storms since I when I was in Florida. So actually, it was just it was under a zillion. It was eight <laughs> storms that I worked through <laughs> when I was in Florida. So I think Wilma did uh, hit hit directly on the west coast there, but most of the big ones, you know, like um, uh, Andrew came across, you right, know, from south from South Florida or yeah from South Florida uh, on the east coast, and then a lot of them hit
0: the uh, panhandle. Yeah, you kind of come down around around the bend there to actually come up on the West Coast. So, because one of the things they're talking about is if, now this one uh, looks like it might go a little south of Tampa, which would be very good as far as property damage goes. If you're living south of Tampa, you're like, screw you, that's not good at all. That's exactly Uh, right. But as far as 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 property damage and maybe the number of, of people who are affected, if it hits Tampa, this is really, really bad, right? Because Tampa is really very low. It's very low, and there's not you're really not bad. above sea level by much. No, you are not. And uh,
1: they have said, and again, you're you're absolutely right that uh, you know the people that are between uh, Tampa and Fort Myers are like, hey, uh, we have houses here too, uh, okay? Uh, but they said it's been reported. One study said that uh, Tampa, St. Petersburg, Clearwater, and the other beach towns there were, you know, like the 10 most at-risk metropolitan areas on the globe. So, I mm. mean, that you're looking at, uh, you know, I mean, hundreds of billions of dollars just uh, just for the case. And it's upsetting, uh, you know, big-time football. Hello, NFL is affected. College football is affected. And if the storm cuts straight across the state, which they, you know, it may or may not do, it could go up the middle of Florida and just do terrible damage and then head into Georgia and the Carolinas. Or if it goes back out of the Atlantic and then goes back up into the Carolinas, it's affecting more people there. I mean, it's a, it's a dangerous thing. People are leaving. There's, there's at least, how would I say two or 3 million people already evacuated to get out of there. And, you know, the governor has been on top of it. I mean, I know, you know, we're worried about his uh, battle with the president, but the governor has, uh, you know, issued a statewide emergency and he's. Has said that uh, he tell people to get out. He's got 5,000 National Guard troops on call. He's got other states ready to help. Joe Biden has already issued a state of an emergency, declared a state of emergency. Looks like they're
0: trying to help a little. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Even I think one of the the most fascinating things uh, about this story to the rest of the country, because if you're in Florida, you're worried about making sure your house is still standing and and no one's underwater. But like if you're living in, I don't know, Nebraska, you're looking at this and you're saying, well, this isn't going to affect me directly. But I think Mm -hmm. when it comes to the politics of this, we have seen – Governors, presidents who have had a bad time with a storm and have not handled it all that well, have their political futures completely destroyed over over something like this. And on the other hand, when when people step up and they handle a tragedy uh, in a particularly uh, efficient and and competent way, sometimes their careers are made with DeSantis being the guy in the center of all this. Number one. Um, What do you? I mean, is he going to do a good job here? And this is a big test for him. And number two, do we think the federal government is actually going to help? They certainly have incentives to just say, "Screw you, Ron." Let's see what happens.
1: Well, yes, they do, and that's that's right. I mean, Biden is just covering his bases, right, by issuing the state of emergency and saying that he's going to, you know, directed the FEMA and the other Homeland Security departments to coordinate disaster relief. In the end. You know, maybe uh, DeSantis says, you know, screw you. Well, we'll do it ourselves. I don't know. We don't want any help from Joe Biden. I don't know. People, you know, act funny when their houses get destroyed. They seem to want help. (laughs) And so wherever they can get it, they're going to get it. Right. And so you hope that DeSantis is smart enough. I mean, I believe that he is. That, uh, you know, that he has the right people in place. You know, the guy that was uh, the FEMA director for a long time, Craig Fugate, he got his uh, start in Florida. In fact, I believe Craig was the one who started the Waffle House uh, direction. And I believe I believe he got that from uh, 970 WFLA. That's just my call. Really? He was there. Uh, he was there in Florida in '04, and I believe that we were uh, communicating with the local Waffle Houses at the time. And I believe Craig Fugate went ahead and implemented that program. Just a thought.
0: Really, that's in, that's Let's interesting. It for for the people who don't know the the, uh, the, the Waffle House Index, this is a real <laughs> this is a real thing. Like this is, is this is one of the ways they measure how bad life is in a particular area. Can you explain it real quick? Do you know those, in you the know so, in the South?
1: Yeah. You know, in the South, they believe that if the Waffle House uh, is uh, not open, then you know if the area is not safe to enter. If it's partially open, then uh, and they don't have goods or power, then it's getting back and we can start sending some people in if they're full open full service then the area is okay and we can start sending people back in and that's been pretty much the case now you know it doesn't necessarily work in other places around the country when there's disasters because uh you know some of the other companies like uh i don't know i mean Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts really yeah. don't have that philosophy,
0: but uh, you know Waffle House has the philosophy. If we can open, we're open. It's interesting too, because that was kind of what happened at the end of COVID too. As as it, Waffle House was like, yeah. all right, screw yeah. it, we're yeah. just opening like, the doors. People can come in and eat. Like
1: yes, yeah. yeah I remember we were talking about it. That's yeah. absolutely. The owner was like, you hey, look, we're we got to be open for business.
0: Yeah, they they did, they, they were like, uh, this look, uh, this is we people need to make a living. They need to get food. We're we're just going to open and thank you. you know, That's you know, what we're here for. Deal with it. Um, uh, oh, uh, and I want to uh, also uh, highlight because uh, I know you did cover a ton of storms while you were down there, and you did excellent coverage with, with all the great people at 970 WFLA. Um, and I know you always were involved in the Storm uh, Watch crew because I, I remember when I would visit uh, in off season when it had nothing nothing to do with the storms. In fact, the storms were months and months away. You still had the Storm Watch vehicle at your house. As if you were always ready to go, it certainly didn't have anything to do with you just basically stealing a station vehicle.
1: Look, it's not my fault that the Mercedes-Benz was a nice vehicle and had Operation Stormwatch on it. I'm ready to just promote for the station, okay? I figure... Wait, you're promoting drive around from your driveway? Me.
0: I don't understand how that works.
1: <laughs> people drive by, they see it, they go, oh yeah, hey. That's what, that's why you like police officers to take their vehicles home. You want to know they're there. Oh. That's, what I,
0: that's what I was doing. I was helping the communities. That's, too. Uh, sure, sure you were. <laughs> I will say, uh, stealing a Mercedes very low on your list of crimes, so I don't think I, people... <laughs> Would uh, stealing is an awful harsh word there, my friend. Uh, <laughs> I was just using the vehicle. We'll let the authorities <laughs> kind of sort that one out uh, in the future. Uh, Jeff Fisher, of course, a host of Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher, of course, appearing as well uh, on uh, Pat Gray Unleashed and, uh, you know, always around here. We, we've tried to kick him out a bunch of times, but he just stays around. Jeffy, thanks so much for coming on the program. Man. See you. Many years ago, we were at uh, the Fox News Channel. This is Glenn and myself, and we were. The show was, you may have heard of it, did pretty well for a while there. And uh, then we kind of came to the end of our contract, and Glenn, instead of re signing the contract, which by the way, they offered, despite uh, some media reporting, uh, they offered an extension to the contract. And Glenn said, you know, first of all, he shot up a bunch of heroin. And then he said, what if we instead started a streaming network? We went out on our own. Even though you can't really watch streaming video and it's going to buffer like crazy and no one knows how to use it yet. What if we just start one right now? And uh, it was a brilliant idea. Let me tell you, timed perfectly, as everything Glenn Beck does is always timed perfectly. Uh, And we went out and I think at the time we were on uh, the Major League Baseball platform because they were pretty much the only one who even provided streaming services at this point. And it was it was rough for some people. It was hard for them to get the show over time. People kind of learn that you can watch it on your phone so you can watch it everywhere. And Blaze TV has been built into this gigantic thing with all these subscribers and a great community. And we do appreciate it if you're part of it, if you can be. It's great. If you're watching on YouTube, you're watching on Pluto. We love you there, too. You're listening on podcasts. Very, very cool. Continue to do that. If you have a a little bit of extra scratch and want to maybe uh, join up with us on Blaze TV, we would really appreciate that because you see what the media is doing. It's canceling people all the time. It's taking conservative uh, values off the board we got to have a place where they can still live, and Blaze TV is that place. BlazeTV.com slash stew is the place to go to join Blaze TV. If you use the promo code stew, you will save 10 bucks off your subscription. We highly encourage you to do so. BlazeTV.com slash stew. The promo code is stew. Uh, Well, there's so much to think about these days, you know, like, for example, buying or selling a home. Yeah, it's one of the most stressful things you can do. And it can be so much worse if you're not working with the right agent. Now, I was just mentioning one of Glenn's crazy ideas, Blaze TV. He had another one, too, around this time. It was called Mercury Real Estate. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place you would go to find this company. Why would you do such a thing? Well, If you're moving across the country, how many people do you know that move from places like California, New York, uh, Illinois, Michigan, to places like Tennessee and Texas and Florida and Arizona? All this moving has been going on. Who's your real estate agent? You don't know anybody in this new area, probably. So, how do you find one? Well, go to realestateagentsitrust.com. You'll find the best agent in your area, whether you're buying a home or selling a home. They do it all. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com, give them some basic info, and they'll contact you and make the introduction to the preferred agent in your town. It's realestateagentsitrust.com, realestateagentsitrust.com. Well, the Democratic momentum continues. Are you as excited about it as I am? Mm hmm. Well, Do you believe it? Because I have trouble believing it. I have trouble believing a midterm election, which always favors the party that's out of power, uh, is going to be won by a party in the middle of this nonsense. For example, just the Dow. Yesterday it fell 329 points. Today it fell another 125 points. We are now officially in a bear market. Hmm. But this is the momentum we're supposed to believe is coming for a Democratic wave? Really? Really? That seems surprising. I will say, however, of course, Joe Biden is on top of the biggest issues that you care about. When people are talking about inflation, they're talking about the border. They're talking about the economy. What is Joe Biden doing? He's nailing it. He's right. He's simpatico with you. You see what I'm saying? He is, of course, launching an environmental justice office. That's uh, that's what he's doing with his time. (sighs) His top environmental official visited what was widely considered the birthplace of the environmental justice movement. Wow, that makes me really excited. I can't wait to figure out what they're gonna do by spending another, what, trillion dollars on this problem? So far, they've done a really good job getting to all of these and nailing them. Uh, Now, of course, I will say, we have uh, seen the COVID thing kind of turn around. You know, We had a lot of, I think, uh, understandable worries that there would be massive vaccine mandates in this country. It really never materialized to that level, which is good. Uh, Look, in this country, that shouldn't be even an option. Uh, But, you know, there were some companies that had to deal with it. Depending on what job you have, you may have had to deal with some of this stuff. But generally speaking, we didn't have a wide vaccine mandate. There was a travel mandate for people coming from overseas, though that is, of course, a right of a sovereign nation. Uh, We wouldn't want to give that right up. We have lots of uh, vaccine requirements for people coming from all across the globe. Uh, that being said, it's been lifted now that COVID has sort of become a, an issue that we're living with. And while people still get it and people still get sick and some people still unfortunately die, it is not upending our society the way it was. Now, Canada's a different story. Canada seems to be they've always gone a little bit farther. We remember the whole trucker thing. They were pissed off about the vaccine mandate for a while that was going on. And, you know, I'm against vaccine mandates with one exception. I only have one, one exception. Right now in Canada. And I'll tell you why. Back in the day, the Toronto Blue Jays, America's team, had to deal with not signing any free agents. They couldn't sign any unvaccinated free agents because of the stupid border policy where they had the vaccine mandate in place. So they lost their own Cy Young Award winner, Robbie Ray, went to the Mariners, one of their big competition uh, this year. And uh, they had to lose them. They lose them for all 162 games. Now, occasionally, teams that would go up to Canada would lose one of their good players for a few games when they're playing in Canada over this policy, but it really burned the Blue Jays all, all season. Well, it's in place the whole season. The only benefit they're getting is occasionally one of these teams from America, campering their best players over there, evens it out a little tiny bit. But what does Trudeau do right before the playoffs? He lifts the vaccine mandate. So, the one time I want a freaking vaccine mandate, Trudeau lifts it. This guy sucks. I think he should go immediately to prison. Now, that's uh, legally standing. I don't know what kind of ground I have there, but morally standing, he should go to moral prison. Stu's moral prison. I'll, I'll build one on the border. We can just force him on in there, and then we can all come and throw poutine at him as, uh, as we walk by. And he's <laughs> he probably, I don't know. He might like that. I don't even know. I'm just saying, screw you, Trudeau. Screw you for everything you've done to Canada, for everything you've done. We, I saw you singing Bohemian Rhapsody the other day. That was terrible, too. And what you've done to America's team, the Toronto Blue Jays. So uh, sometimes you, get, you ever get disturbed by an alert your phone sends you? Like, why, what are they thinking that I want to watch? I got a Netflix alert the other day for Dahmer. Hey, Stu, Dobbers, ready to watch now. You mean the 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 long, long, long series about the guy who murdered his gay lovers and then ate them? I mean, you want me to watch? Why? Why do you want me to watch that? Isn't that a little weird that you think? Now, of course, I do like the true crime stuff. That's, that's probably why. Uh, but I will say this. I think Dahmer crosses the line to too dark, even for me. I love, I mean, I've watched all sorts of dark series. I don't know that I can watch cannibalism. Uh, I just don't think I can do it. Uh, it looks like it's very well done and, and, and everything, but I just don't, it's a little too dark for me. There's a controversy going on with this particular series though, because Netflix gives it all these labels. And you know, there's all these labels. Oh, you should watch the new black programming of the month or the LGBTQ programming of the month or whatever it is. So they labeled it psychological, ominous horror and LGBTQ. Now, of course Dahmer was, uh, uh, you know, he was a gay man. Uh, But I don't think that has all the I don't know why they would need to categorize it that way, though. I will say if you're going to get full representation, you have to realize that a lot of people in your group also suck. Lots of straight people suck. Lots of gay people suck. We should realize that about each other and then we can move on with our lives.